This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Evan Roberts Podcast, the mailbag edition. I respond to Twitter questions edition. This is the second time I'm doing this. This was fun when I did it a couple of months ago. You may think I'm just being lazy, that I don't have a better idea of something to talk about this week. That is not true because here are some upcoming Evan Roberts Podcast editions besides your you-never-know instant reactions. As soon as the baseball season ends, me and Ernie Acosta, the producer of the Fine Midday Show, will give out our MLB free agent predictions, where all the big free agents are going to go. And the reason why I wanted to do that immediately upon the season ending is I don't want our mind infiltrated with rumors, or else we're just predicting what Ken Rosenthal is saying or John Heyman is saying. So as soon as the season is over, just using our best judgment, where we think some of the premier free agents are going to go. And I'm also excited for our Survivor Series retrospective that will go through every single main event in the history of Survivor Series. You can ask my wife. I've spent a lot of time watching main events from past Survivor Series, and I got a lot to say. So that retrospective will be posted on November 4th, and also a Yankee and a Mets offseason preview. But today... It's a mailbag. It's a Twitter question edition. And so what I did was at about 4 o'clock, 4.15 on Tuesday, when I decided to record this, I posted on Twitter, hey, I'll answer whatever question you have. It could be sports. It could be God knows what, wrestling, politics. I don't really care. And I let that marinate for a little bit. And I see that I've gotten 97 tweets over the last couple hours. So I assume a lot of them are questions. I have not looked at any of them because I want to answer questions genuinely. I don't want to think about it. Now, what does thinking about it do? It gives you a well-thought-out answer. No one wants a well-thought-out answer. They just want my honest reaction. So I will go through as many of these as I can, and we'll have ourselves a little podcast. So are you ready? I said, are you ready? All right, the first one was from Tugboat31. Tugboat31 writes, rebuild the Jets in one offseason. Go. Well, let me start off with this, okay? You know what the Jets need to do during their offseason? They need to draft well, okay? What was so frustrating about the trade deadline of 2019 is all we heard about was rumors and one involving a trade of guys the Jets have actually drafted well with. Because for the most part, their drafts have sucked for a half a decade. And it goes back a lot longer than that. They haven't drafted well. The best guy they've drafted over really the last decade since Darrell Rivas was Jamal Adams. So the idea that, hey, let's go take the best draft pick this franchise has had in a long time and trade him is a stupid idea. So they're going to have about $50 million in cap space. Here's what they need to do. Number one, they need to draft well. And number two, 
and, and I said this last offseason, they need to build around the quarterback. They have to put the quarterback, Sam Darnold, in the best position to succeed. That starts with a really good offensive line. So the priority in free agency and the priority in the draft needs to be put pass rushers, or I'm sorry, put pass protectors around Sam Darnold. Pass rushers, too, that's to help the defense. And they may get that with the uh, first pick that they use in this draft. Tweet number two comes from Nana Chris. Should the Knicks try and package some bench pieces and picks to give Golden State for D'Angelo Russell? <laughs> well, first of all, even though I didn't want it to happen, I thought the best thing the Knicks could have done this offseason was sign D'Angelo Russell. Now, think about this. Forget Julius Randle, though you could include Julius Randle in this. So let's actually include Julius Randle in this. If you take your cap space that the Knicks had, and you used it on Julius Randle and D'Angelo Russell and nothing else, okay? Forget Alfred Payton, forget Bobby Portis, forget Taj Gibson, forget uh, Marcus Morris, forget all those guys. You built around Russell and Randle, and you drafted R.J. Barrett, and you developed Frank Nilakina, and you still have Dennis Smith, though I'm losing faith in him, and you've got Kevin Knox, that's a pretty damn good foundation to build around. So while I don't think the Knicks did anything stupid necessarily during this offseason, they should have signed the guy. Now, I don't know if D'Angelo would have accepted. D'Angelo may have said, I want to get the hell out of New York. D'Angelo may have said, hey, I like this sign-and-trade idea with Golden State. But to put together a trade now is a fruitless exercise because, number one, the Warriors are not trading him now. And number two, let's see what some of these pieces that the Knicks have develop into. They are going to have extra draft picks over the next few years, specifically the two from Dallas, but they should have signed D'Angelo Russell. That's what they should have done. And Silverdesk tweets, the Jet locker room after today's circus. Well, I mean, I'm, Jamal Adams doesn't seem happy. Jamal Adams doesn't seem pissed off at his teammates, but he certainly seems pissed off at the GM and probably the head coach. The biggest adult in the Jet locker room is Le'Veon Bell. Daniel Schribner tweets, I want to know, when do you do a Survivor Series history podcast? That's perfect, because I, I answered that already. Uh, we will post that on November 4th. I look forward to that. Dennis from Dennis Has a Podcast, who's become my main historical wrestling go-to guy, will join me in that podcast. Aaron Johnson tweets, Jets trade deadline and its locker room effects, good or bad? <laughs> it's bad, obviously. I mean, the Jets supposedly tell Jamal Adams we love you, which they should. He's the best player on the team. We're not going to trade you. And now we hear rumors about them potentially dealing him, which they ended up deciding not to do. And even if Dallas said, okay, fine, we're going to give you a first and two seconds. Let me ask you something. What the hell are the Jets going to even turn those draft picks into? I mentioned earlier, they have to start drafting well. You'd be lucky to turn one of those picks into a player half as good as Jamal Adams. Trumaine Johnson's ampu is this guy's Twitter handle? Trumaine Johnson's amputated hands. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Realistically, what is Adam Gase's leash looking like? To me, I'd fire his ass now. You're asking me? I think he's a terrible head coach. He was a terrible head coach in Miami. They shouldn't have hired the guy to begin with. I, I would not have much longer of a leash. I would think if this season ends at three, four, five wins in that neighborhood. They get rid of him now. One and done. Jack Davis tweets, can I get an in-depth breakdown on how robo-umps are better than human umps? 
You want an in-depth breakdown. Well, first of all, you're implying that my belief is that robo-wumps are better than regular rumps. And how could I have that belief when I've never seen a robo-umpire? Here's the truth about robo-umpires. Is that what we're calling them? Computer umpires? Until I see how robo-umpires work, how it's executed at the minor league level, how would we know it's better than regular umpires? So all I've said about robo-wumps is I'm open to it. I can see that being the future. But they've got to perfect the technology. Zach Hirsch tweets, the overall state of the Jets and Mets. Well, I'll tell you this, the Mets state's a hell of a lot better than the Jets state right now. Eduardo uh, Alcivar tweets, if the Jets get a top three pick in the draft, do you think they would entertain taking a quarterback to replace Darnold? Top three pick means Sam didn't have a good year. Thank you for uh, describing that to me. As of this moment, I still believe in this quarterback. And like I mentioned, You've got to put him in a position to succeed. Have the Jets put him in a position to succeed? And are you convinced that any guy drafted is really that much better of an option than Sam Darnold? I'm not convinced. Two is a better option than Sam Darnold. Do we really believe that right now? Joe Talamo tweets, I don't think Jared Allen will ever turn out to be the player that the Nets hope. I think they have to make a trade to get a legit center that can guard other big men and score more. Do you agree or disagree? And if you agree... Who would be a realistic option to replace Jared Allen? Jared Allen is still growing, okay? I don't think we have seen the final conclusion of Jared Allen, but if the Nets are going to be a contender this year, I'm not even saying win a championship, but be a contender, Jared Allen has got to take a big step up. He's got to take a, t- a, take a big step defensively. He's got to take a big step overall. If at the end of the season, we don't see that kind of development from Allen. I think the Nets have to look at upgrading at the five. Clint Capello was a name that was mentioned during the offseason as potentially being available. But I don't know if he's going to be dealt. So I think when we're looking at replacing Jared Allen next year, first of all, I got to see him not take that growth this year. Number two, I got to see what's out there. Andrew Spiro writes, what's your favorite podcast to listen to? Not name the Evan Roberts podcast. Andrew, Andrew. You think I listen to my own podcast? I mean, you really think that? You think I I sit in my car, I drive to work, or I bike, and I listen to myself? No, no. This is a first-run operation, okay? I talk into a microphone. I post it. I hope people will listen to it, but I'm not one of them. Um, I'm going to give you a few. I'm going to give you a couple podcasts I listen to on a regular basis. And you're, you're going to notice a pattern, and you're going to think it's weird. I promise you this. All right? You ready? <laughs> I'm going to tell you a few of them. Number one, I am a fan of, which one should I name first? I'm afraid I'm going to offend somebody based on the order. All right, I like talking Yankees. I've mentioned that. We've had John Boy on the show. I like him, and I like Jake, and I've mentioned that a part of why I like that podcast is I like to hear in and get in the mind of Yankee fans. I'm obviously a Met fan, so I like hearing those boys complain or mostly celebrate the Yankees' success. You ready for the pattern to continue? I like the Giant Insider podcast with uh, Jerry Foley and Chris Bizignano, if I pronounced it right. And guess what? Same thing. <laughs> I'm a Jet fan. I like to get in the mind of Giant fans, and uh, Jerry and Chris are really good, and they're really passionate, so I like to hear those guys. Um, I like the Knicks Film School podcast are we seeing the pattern yet i like to listen to podcasts of the teams i don't root for 
Uh, Jonathan Macri, I think is his name. I'm giving these guys a nice shout out. I hope they appreciate it. Uh, I like that guy. He's And you know what I like about this Macri guy of Knicks Film School? I really don't like the Knicks. I don't. I'm very honest about that. And a lot of Knicks fans drive me nuts. And so when I see a Knicks fan that appears to be humble and grounded and realistic and smart, I really appreciate that. So I like him. I like the bench shot with John Schmelk and something to wrestle with. And the low post with Zach Lowe. And Peter King's pretty good. And the glue guys on the nets. And uh, play like a jet. I like those guys too. How many podcasts did I just name? Boy, I have a lot of time on my hands, apparently. Uh, Ryan McGee. Why is he tweeting me this question? Ryan I went to high school with and uh, is in my fantasy league. He's Adam Eaton, and he's been on the Evan Roberts podcast before. What was your first pick in the first ever fantasy baseball draft in Mr. Deitch's earth science class? <laughs> That's it. You know what's so funny about that? That is so true. I took earth science. I took earth science with a man named Mr. Deitch. Hopefully he's okay. He could be listening right now. You never know. And the year of that first ever rotisserie, I don't even think we called it fantasy, was 1998. And I do not remember who I took first, but I do remember this. I'm going to tell you a quick story. I think people appreciate this. Um, that fantasy league or that rotisserie league was a mess because I was the one keeping track of the stats. This was pre-Yahoo. This was pre-anything. And I had to look at baseball weekly, like every week, and calculate how everybody was doing. So I don't even know if the results were real. I got, I got to be honest. I did the best I could, but I don't know if the results were real. I don't know who I took number one, but if you remember in 1998, the Mets made a little trade for Mike Piazza. And being the fanboy that I was, I went to the guys that had Mike Piazza, and I remember who they were too. Uh, it was a team that had two fantasy owners. One guy's name was Ronnie, and the other guy's name was Eric. I do remember this. How about that? And I said to these guys, and they were so smart, I said to them, I want Piazza. And they said, okay, well, you're going to have to pay. And you know what two guys I traded to get Mike Piazza in 1998, in May of 1998? A guy by the name of Mark McGuire and a guy by the name of Sammy Sosa. So just to get Piazza on my team, I traded McGuire and Sosa in 1998. So hopefully that answers that question. Uh, Stats Guru tweets, Seahawks, Vikings, Rams, who misses the playoffs? I lean towards the Rams. Uh, B. Foley writes, I know, I'm going quicker now, I'm sorry. Uh, Joe Douglas press conference at five, no chance they could have kept a big deal quiet for a whole hour, right? Yeah, no, there is no deal. The trade deadline passed. Beds writes, I would go more for a pitcher, I'll hang up and listen. Oh, I don't know if that makes any sense. DJ Queza tweets, how many all-star appearances will R.J. Barrett make? I like that confidence from Nick fans. I'm going to say one. Uh, Pat Rick tweets, you think the WWE are going to figure out what to do with The Fiend, or do you think he's doomed? Based on the WWE writing over the last few months, the fact that they are headlining this Lana, Rusev, Lashley love triangle, I think they're an absolute mess. So, no, I think they're going to ruin The Fiend. Deplorable Ted tweets, Makes no sense to keep Jamal Adams. Not winning anytime soon. Trade him. Remember Tavares? Walked and got zilch. What a stupid tweet. First of all, how do you know the Jets can't win in the next couple of years? Jamal Adams is in his mid-20s. He's not 31. 
It's not like, oh, hold, well, you're holding on to them. They'll never win with him. They can't win. And by the way, in the NFL, you kind of have the ability to hold on to a guy. You can franchise him. You can show him the money and work out a deal long term. As miserable as Jamal Adams may be, the Jets still have the power. And I'm not a fan of getting rid of good players. Mike Jones tweets, other than the Yankees, because they have the best roster now, which New York team will win the next championship in any sport? No one will ever win another championship in New York City. It's actually never going to happen. You know what my answer to that is going to be? I think the answer to that is going to be the New York Islanders. How about that? Al from Paramus. Oh, God, Al from Paramus. He calls us all the time. Patriot fan. If the Mets end up with a better record than the Philadelphia Phillies, will you say then that they made the correct decision in not hiring Joe Girardi. I, I Look, I can't definitively say that. I need to see what the Met roster looks like. I need to see what the Philly roster looks like. I need to see how the Mets got to that record that's better than Philadelphia. So there's a lot of things that can go into that before I make that statement. Naz Grams, or Big Naz tweets, have you watched AEW and what do you think of it? I've watched AEW every Wednesday and it has been superb. I find it really entertaining. I think Jericho is on another level. I think the wrestling is entertaining. Even though Jim Ross has lost a step, hearing his voice is comforting, and I think they've put the WWE product to shame over the last month. Jose Maldonado Jr. tweets, read this question on the podcast. Okay. Why are the Mets conducting three sets of interviews? We ain't picking a pulp. (laughs) I, I think conducting many, many interviews is probably a normal process. But why is this taking so long? Why are they talking to guys over and over again? Probably because Brody Van Wagenen and Jeff Wilpon don't know what they're doing. Chris Conley tweets, what would you have done if the Jets actually did trade Jamal Adams and Le'Veon Bell? What would have I done? First of all, I would have done an instant reaction, screaming and yelling irrationally. And then Joe and I would have come on the air Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. And he would have screamed irrationally. I would have been a little bit calmer, but then I would have joined in and screaming irrationally and we'd be pissed off. That's what would have happened. SB 12 or 21, 25, 54. What a what a Twitter account. Long story short, with the Jets not hiring Mike McCarthy, that's a godsend. Giants need to see with him available, he's the perfect guy to coach here. He deserves credit in his development for Aaron Rodgers. Regardless what fans say, he was his head coach when he got his first Super Bowl, nine playoffs in 13 years. Where do I sign? So I think he's saying that for the Giants. Look, Mike McCarthy did a really good job with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. I think it made sense for the Packers to move on from Mike McCarthy. But what has been said about McCarthy over the last year has been unfair. He has been given no credit for the success of what Rodgers has had. Now, with that said, I'm not sold on Pat Shermer as coach of the Giants. But the thing you got to give him credit for so far is you are seeing the development of Daniel Jones, and that matters. Bob J82003 tweets an emoji of Mike Francesa waking up in front of a microphone. Okay, I appreciate that. Um... Dev3 tweets, where will Garrett Cole land and how much will he be paid and how many years? Now, I could say I'm saving that for the free agent podcast, but I would never do such a thing. I think Garrett Cole is going to end up with the Houston Astros. I think they're going to re-sign him. I think they're going to realize that with Verlander getting older, with Granke getting older, that their pitching staff could look pretty barren in three years. 
So I think they're going to be aggressive in trying to re-sign Garrett Cole, and I think ultimately Garrett's going to want to stay. And I'm going to go with a six-year, $205 million contract. That's my prediction. Richard Rosenblum tweets, Don't you think for the month of April the Mets should start their weeknight games earlier like other teams because it's cold and people have work and school the next morning? Absolutely. I love what the Yankees have done with those 630 starts. So I'm all in favor of that. Chris Chills tweets, Out of your four favorite teams, I root for the same ones as you, if you could pick whoever you want to win the next championship, who would you pick and why? Well, the answer, I, you know, I, I've been asked this a lot. The answer is the Mets, and the reason it's the Mets is because they are the first. They are that first love. They are the team that got me into sports. So as much as seeing the Nets win an NBA championship or the Jets win a Super Bowl, and to a lesser extent, I always admit this, to a lesser extent, the Islanders winning a Stanley Cup, because they're the first, it has to be them. Alex Gonzalez tweets, have you ever just hugged Joe just to console him on his teams? It seems like he could use one every now and again. Joe's not a big hugger. I've hugged him before, but not necessarily <laughs> not necessarily just because bad things are happening to his team or my team. Jeff Cohen tweets, how good can Matthew Barzell be? He can be really, really good, and hopefully he's here for his entire career. Uh, Burnt John 2 tweets, the most irrelevant sport in New York City. The most irrelevant sport in, I guess, of the major sports, right? I mean, because I could just say bowling, if you consider bowling a sport. Look, it's a tough thing to answer because what we talk about and what we spend a lot of time talking about, like if I said to you soccer is the most irrelevant sport in New York City, that's not necessarily fair just because we don't talk a lot about it or just because I'm not a huge fan of it. So I don't really know how to answer that question. Bruce tweets, when are you going on the Brooklyn Grit podcast? Well, I've never been asked. Maybe I would go on. Murto Mets 4 tweets, do you think the Mets can win division as is next year regardless of manager? They can, but it takes a lot of things to go right and some things to go wrong for the Atlanta Braves and potentially the Washington Nationals. Ryan Brazell tweets, Hope you and Joe sleep well with no trades. The show gave me anxiety today. Well, we are certainly not trying to give you anxiety. I apologize for that. It's certainly not our intent. But, hey, that is one of the things, and I mentioned this on our show, on our Tuesday show, let's try not to get worked up about trades that haven't happened. Because when things happen, it's worth getting worked up about. But rumors and innuendo, what does it really mean? By the way, this is my favorite time of year. It's fall, football's going on, and of course the NFL is on CBS. Stream your local live game every Sunday with CBS All Access. It's available across all of your favorite devices. Just go to cbs.com slash Evan and you get a, get a free one-week trial of CBS All Access. How about that deal? All you got to do is write my stupid name. That's easy. cbs.com slash Evan to get a free one-week trial of CBS All Access. All right. What am I up to? Let us see. Ray Maldonado tweets, realistically, the answer is none, but if Howard had to pick, I think he means Stern, which of these would he do? The Masked Singer, Dancing with the Stars, or your podcast? <laughs> I like that. Um, The Masked Singer, no way. Now, I mean, I don't get the impression he even really likes the show that much. I know he had... um. 
the host on recently. What's his name? The name uh, Nick Cannon on recently. But you can tell he doesn't really care about that show. He does watch Dancing with the Stars, but it's mostly to mock. So I don't think he would do that. You're going to think I'm nuts. I think I think my podcast. And, and I'll tell you why. Even though I think there's less than 1% of a chance that Howard would do my podcast, I think that at least we have a connection. I could sell him on, I was in your movie, I made that inappropriate comment in the backseat of the car. So I could see him saying, oh, you know what, even though you've got nobody listening, at least compared to his own radio show, I'll do your podcast. So I'm actually going to say the Evan Roberts podcast. How about that? The Johnny Corchell tweets, considering both are healthy, who hits more home runs in 2020, Aaron Judge or Pete Alonzo? Um, I'm going to say Judge, and hear me out before Met fans get pissed at me. It is very tough to go out and back up what Pete did last year. And I think Aaron Judge is great proof of that. Aaron Judge had a great rookie season when he had the rookie home run record in the following year, and certainly health was a big part of it, and I get that, but health's a part of baseball. So can who do I feel better about staying healthy and hitting more home runs? I'd only go with Judge. He's had two injury years in a row. You almost feel he's due to stay healthy. And I think backing up what Alonzo did is going to be very difficult. D-Ruz14 tweets, how can I listen to the podcast? I don't know, download it. Wherever podcasts are downloaded. Radio.com, I think, has it too. I'm not mistaken. Alex B. tweets, How do you rate the cans from the World Series flashing? I'd give... Oh, come on. Really? You're doing that? I'm not... Come on. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> this is a good one. <laughs> this is a good one. See, I, you know, I was just about to say, have you noticed that every question has been about sports? You know, one wrestling question, one little Howard question, but mostly if it's been about sports, you get very few people asking about politics. You ready for a political question? And it sort of is a political question. Would you have booed Donald Trump if you were at game five of the World Series? Wow. Boy, that's... Okay, so can I explain my thinking, my complications on this? And I don't hide from my uh, political beliefs. I'm not a fan of Donald Trump, right? Not a big fan of his presidency and all that. Um, But I'm also, like, really respectful of the presidency. So I'm not one to boo a... Like, I I just... So that's where I'm mixed. I'm not a fan. I'm not going to sit there and give him a standing ovation. But I'm also probably not one to stand up and start booing the president. And, and here's the, the truth. I've only been in front of a president or in the crowd for a president uh, one time in my life. And that was when Bill Clinton came to Shea Stadium. And I'll give you another little bit. I'm not a fan of Bill Clinton, okay? So, and even at that point, I wasn't a fan of Bill Clinton because I was in a politics even at the age of 14. And what I did for Bill Clinton is I gave a very respectful golf clap. I wasn't howling at the top of my lungs, but I wasn't booing. So I don't really have an answer, but I guess that's my thought process on it. I think that's a, a fair answer for everybody listening. Thomas C. Portello tweets, of the, of the no managerial candidates, which do you think is best suited to be the next manager of the New York Mets? Beltron, Bogar, Perez, or someone else, and why? Well, someone else? Can I name anybody? Bruce Brochi. <laughs> I mean, of the candidates that are there, best suited to be the manager of the New York Mets. All of them 
to varying degrees are inexperienced. All of them would be first-time regular managers. But the guy with the most managerial experience in that group is Tim Bogar. Tim Bogar managed on an interim basis. I think Tim Bogar is managed at the minor league level. Eduardo Perez managed the World Baseball Classic Puerto Rican team. I, I mean, who's best suited? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't love any of them. I don't really love any of them. I wanted an experienced manager. I thought the Mets needed an experienced manager, and obviously none of them have that. Uh, Jay Lostkant tweets, favorite WWE pay-per-view year that wasn't WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, or Survivor Series, and why? The favorite pay-per-view year. I don't know if he means an entire year or if he means one specific pay-per-view. I'll give you both answers. How about that? If you're talking about a full year, I would probably say 1998 because of it was the height of the Austin era. We were watching Vince McMahon's quote-unquote master plan. And even though a lot of those pay-per-views weren't good per se, like a lot of them just weren't good, I think that storyline of Austin versus McMahon was captivating. And so it's it, the, the whole pay-per-view schedule is this continuing story that eventually gets to the rock with that incredible heel turn at Survivor Series Deadly Game. So if I had to pick a full year, I would say that. The best non-Big Four pay-per-view is probably the Money in the Bank CM Punk John Cena thing because I thought that angle was very, very cool too when he left as WWE champion. Douglas Hanlon tweets, with all this manager talk surrounding the Mets, how many games do you really think a team wins or loses because of their manager? I think too much importance is put on the position. I think the total is about four or five. I don't think it's a great total, but I think if you have a bad manager as compared to having a really good manager, if it's four the other way compared to the average manager and four up from the really good manager, I guess in that case it could turn to eight or nine games. Look, it's why when the Mets hire a manager, I will give my opinion of disappointment, and then a day later I'll say, all right, let's give the guy a shot and see what he is. You know, a head coach in the NFL, a head coach in the NBA, and a head coach in the NHL, to me, are all more important than a manager in baseball. Here, Evan, this is from Dan Levine, a positive spin on the Jets. They had a few coaches in a row win nine or ten games the first year, get the fans' hopes up, then become straight disasters. So maybe the Gase disaster in year one will lead to a Super Bowl down the line, smiling, smiling, smiling. Cut the crap. You know that's not happening. Andrew Strauss tweets, who is a more competent owner, the Mets or the Jets? Boy, I tell you, normally I would say the Jets have a more competent owner because I think the Wilpons have uh, have been um, not great over the years, especially with the spending. But right now, Christopher Johnson does not look very competent. Paul Harmon tweets, do you think the Mets will increase their payroll for 2020? Absolutely not. Noah Gittle tweets, is being a Mets-Jets fan a form of mental illness? And if so, how does one treat it? Um, it's not fun. I could tell you that. You know how I treat being a Met Net Jet fan? I'll throw the Nets in there too. I try to distract myself, you know? So lately, and maybe there should be a podcast about this. I have just been binging Dawson's Creek. I've been just binging the crap out of it because I didn't watch it when I was in high school. I didn't. I, I think I watched the first few episodes, never watched anything after that. And now I just can't stop watching. I just can't stop watching. You know what? There is going to be a podcast coming up. You're going to have to deal with it. Evan Roberts podcast, Dawson's Creek edition. So that's how I get over it. M-I-N-S tweets, top five all-time favorite net players. Favorite net players. 
Okay. Not the best. Favorite. Well, I'm only going to include the ones that were my actively favorite players because while I love Julius Irving and I have Julius Irving bobbleheads and I have a Julius Irving jersey, I don't know if it's fair for me to call Julius Irving a favorite player because his net tenure ended before I was freaking born. So of the guys in my lifetime, I would say that on this team, I'm a huge Spencer Dinwiddie guy. I've made that clear. I was a huge Brooke Lopez guy. I was a huge Jason Williams guy. I'm sorry. What do you want me to tell you? You want me to sugarcoat this? Yes, I get it. I know what ended up happening. Before that, I was a big Jason Williams guy. That's just the truth. Um, those are the three that jump out at me. Dinwiddie, Brooke, and Jason. Uh, I kind of like Jamie Fike for a while. <laughs> Is that weird? Richard Jefferson was my guy. I loved RJ. I, I, I can't include Jamie Fike on the list. I have to take that back. Richard Jefferson is, um, what number am I up to? Four. And Drazen is tough because I love Drazen, but it was so at the end and then he tragically died. But I'll include him. Why not? Why not? Username 5 tweets, who's to blame for the Giants collapse? Shermer Gettleman, McAdoo Reese, or Mara for letting Tom walk in the disasters that have ensued? It's always easy to just rip the owner, and I have. But I want to be more, because Mara hired anybody and made all the ultimate decisions. So you could easily say John, but I would say Reese and McAdoo easily. Uh, ben McAdoo lost a locker room. And Jerry Reese had some really, 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 really bad coaching decisions. Uh, I'm sorry, coaching decisions. I was distracted because I was about to read um, the next tweet. <laughs> some really bad draft picks, especially the offensive line. Coinbox Tease, Tease tweets, When will esports be part of WFAN talk radio? I, can, I'll never, I can't say never because never say never. But while I appreciate the popularity of esports and I respect it, is it really a sport? Is it really a sport? That's a fair question. That's a very fair question. Devin tweeted, Devin tweeted, tweeted, I know Shermer gets a lot of heat, but why isn't Gettleman? With all the moves he made, he's shown he can tear down a team to nothing. He can tear down a team to nothing, but in no way do I trust him. He hasn't proven he can evaluate talent. Saquon was a can't-miss prospect, and he thought that Peppers was with a one. And he thought that Peppers was with a one. I don't understand that last part. Here's the thing about Gettleman. If you look at his two drafts, and I know it's early in really evaluating both, do you really look at those two drafts as being disasters? That's number one. And number two... The quarterback position is the end-all, be-all. Now, I know it turned out not to be for Mike McCagnan, and we still don't know what Sam Darnold is, but so far, man, I'll tell you, the Daniel Jones picks look looks pretty damn good. He was getting killed by everybody. Colton Witz tweets, who is on the Mount Rushmore of WFAN web guys? I'll hang up and listen. There is no WFAN Mount Rushmore for web guys, but I appreciate your work at WFAN and working on the web. Uh, Joey Islands tweets, I love you and Joe together, but when Joe leaves, do you think you and JJ would make a good pairing on the fan? I like JJ. We've had shows together and it's been fun. So yeah, but my goal is for Joe to never leave for him. Never, ever, ever, ever leave. Is that possible? 
Ben E. tweets, top three best presidents besides Lincoln, maybe even a bottom three. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. Now, I, see, now you speak of my language. Am I including Lincoln? Oh, he says top three besides Lincoln. Okay, so I can't include Abraham Lincoln. By the way, can I brag about something? I don't even know if this is brag worthy. It's kind of funny. My wife's watching and she's laughing at what I'm about to say. So I would put my son to bed every night by just listing the presidents because I have this weird affinity for the presidency, as I kind of discussed earlier. So basically the game would be George Washington, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, James Monroe, John Quincy Adams, Andrew Jackson, Martin Van Buren, William Henry Harrison, John Todd, you know, and on and on and on. He has now started to do it on his own, where I think he can name every president in a row until he gets caught. He gets, you know what? You know how far he gets? He gets to Woodrow Wilson. That's pretty good. He gets all the way there. So I was telling him recently that my favorite is Abraham Lincoln. All right, here are my top three besides Lincoln. George Washington. And we can't ignore the importance of him walking away. Simple as that. That decision after two terms, and even before that, to say, look, I'm not a king. He could have been. He could have basically ignored everything America was fighting for and said, sure, give me this power, I'll be king. He refused to do that. And obviously, his closing address to Americans has been so prophetic, especially all these years later. So number one is George Washington. Number one is George Washington. Uh, Number two, okay, so best president's complicated because I think the guy I'm about to say could have been a great president. He wasn't because he died too early, and that was James Garfield. I mean, if you look back at what Garfield believed, what he was trying to do, what he said, how far ahead he was when it came to civil rights at that moment in that time, he could have been great. And... He died way too young. He was killed by James Guteau, who was this just angry, I guess he wanted a job from Garfield. I think that was the real story. And then our technology back then and our medicine was so crappy, he suffered. So I I know that's not a proper answer because can I really say James Garfield is a top three president? No, but I think he had the potential to be. I think he had a chance to be great. I'll give you another one. See, my list is weird because everybody says the same guys, and sure, I'm saying Lincoln and Washington, but if you're waiting for me to say Franklin Delano Roosevelt, keep waiting. Just keep waiting because it ain't coming. But I'll name somebody in that era, Dwight Eisenhower. Dwight Eisenhower, after being a war hero in World War II, we had a strong economy in the 50s, and, and he pulled something off that I don't know if anybody was able to do since Eisenhower. And think about this, and this includes Kennedy, this includes Reagan, this includes Clinton, this includes whoever you want. You know what Dwight Eisenhower was the last president to pull off? He was universally beloved. And that is something that I don't know if we'll ever see again. Ever. Anyhow, bottom three, James Buchanan, Franklin Pierce, And I'll give you a surprise, because those two are easy because they led up to the Civil War. I'll give you a surprise that I'm not a fan of. You ready? John Adams. Not a fan of John Adams. Alien and Sedition Act. I'm sorry, that is un-American. I went way too long on that answer. (laughs) Hey, you went up my alley. What do you want from me, man? 
Uh, Michael Redden tweets, am I nuts for being behind Eduardo Perez as the manager since his name was first mentioned? You're not nuts. I mean, look, Eduardo Perez could turn out to be a great manager. I have no idea. I have no idea. Hunter Highwell tweets, I would ask for answers on the Jets, but we both know that's unpredictable. For the Mets, what are realistic bullpen options they can target? Here's a problem, and I don't have the list of available free agents in front of me, but when I was looking at it recently and I was glancing at relievers, it is a very underwhelming market. And we know they're not going to spend big money on a closer like a Roldis Chapman if he opts out. Um, but a lot of relievers are just, I mean, like Will Harris has been great, right? But he's 35 years old. What are you going to do? Jeremy Jeffress is a free agent because he was caught. Jeremy Jeffress two years ago or last year was great. This year, he ended up getting released by Milwaukee. You know, you want Sergio Romo, Fernando Rodney. Joe Smith is pretty good, but he's 36 years old. You want Anthony Swarzak back? Not a really good list. Unfortunately, going to have to get lucky. Tony Watson, though, is a guy to keep an eye on as a lefty out of the bullpen. Daniel Gold tweets, why is Jets management so irredeemably bad? I go almost back as far as Joe, and I've seen different ownership, different front office, certainly different coaches and players, and yet they seem incapable of putting together a first-class, well-run professional sports franchise. It really does come back to ownership, and I know ownership has changed, but you know what hasn't changed? Ownership is bad. Dan Mahoney tweets, can you do a podcast on Joe Beningo like you did for John Manko? Okay, let me, let me answer that one because I would love to. I love Joe, and Joe and I have a great relationship. We've done the midday show for 13 years. We get along really, really well. And a part of that is I know Joe, and I respect Joe. And Joe's a good guy. So if I said to Joe, and, and I said, hey, bro, uh, could you sit down with me for three hours and do an interview with me? He's a good guy where he would begrudgingly do it, but he doesn't want to do it. So why would I do that to him? Here's the thing about Mink, right? Mink enjoyed that. You know, Mink did me a favor. Don't get me wrong. And I advise anyone to take a listen to the three-part John Minko interview podcast we did last spring. But he enjoyed it. You know, not enough people talk to John Minko, ask John Minko questions, want to know about Minko. And he's got such an incredible story that it benefited me, no doubt. But he enjoyed it. I love Joe. He would not enjoy it. You know what I mean? It would just not be something he would want to do. So out of respect for my friend, I would never even ask him to do that. Andrew Galkin tweets, time to somehow convince Johnson to can Gase and Douglas before they totally ruin the franchise from your lips to God's ears. Philip Lipper tweets, if you were king for a day and could make one change to the Jets and Mets, what would it be? And it can't be an ownership change. Well, am I king or not? If I'm king, I can change owners. And by the way, I love the Mets. I love the Jets. If I was king for a day, if I was king for a day, I'd be working on something else. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be looking maybe at stuff around the world before I got to the Jets and the Mets. B. Rye, New York City tweets, Do you see baseball continuing to allow the shift, or do you see them forcing something like there must be two infielders on either side of second base? Yeah, I fear they may do that someday, but I am not a fan of it. Now, I really don't mind the shift. I just don't think it's bad for baseball necessarily. There are other things in baseball that should change. It shouldn't be the shift. How many more should I do, baby? I'm asking my wife. I'll let you produce this thing. Like five more, you think? Five more? Okay. Mets rule in 2K tweets, what will be worse, the Met decision of who the new manager is or will be their inevitable, terrible rebuild of the bullpen? <laughs> 
probably the rebuild of the bullpen. Sandy had a very difficult time building bullpens. I do not have confidence in um, in Brody Van Wagenen. Colin Tully tweets, the POTUS was raucously booed during a World Series game. Worth a mention on any sports show? Is it? I, I don't think it is, honestly. I mean, uh, politicians are booed a lot. So, no, I, I don't necessarily think. And, and, and what's the point of mentioning it? To, to do what? To take calls about should you? Because here's the problem with should you boo the president? Because I just gave my view on it. At least I did at some point on this podcast. And I think I gave a very fair and balanced point, right? I said, I'm not a fan of the president, but I'm a fan of the presidency. I don't necessarily think I would have stood up and booed him like a maniac. I don't think I would have done it. I'm not mad at people for doing it. I think it's common. I think when President Obama and President George W. Bush, excluding the World Series after 9-11, I think when they've thrown out first pitches, they've been booed too. I don't think this is a new thing. Now, I will say this. I don't think the crowd chanted, lock him up. I do not think that happened. But they definitely were booed. I don't know why that would be considered a story for us on Sports Talk Radio when it never was in the past. So that's my opinion on that. Um, Was that the question? Yeah, that was the question. Okay, I think I answered it. Dave from New Jersey tweets, Is it possible that too much wrestling on TV is ruining the experience for the viewer? Many of the same moves, gimmicks, and storylines, both old and new, being used repeated in all six promotions. Overexposure. It's not a good thing. It makes being creative difficult. Evan Wexel tweets, were you affected by the passing of Robert Evans? I am so glad, Evan, you asked that question because I think it's story time. Is it story time? Folks, I was named after Robert Evans. Not kidding. I was named after Robert Evans. You want to know why? You want to hear the story? Let's go. So my mom and dad decided to name me Michael. I was going to be Michael Roberts. And my mom and dad were at the beach, and my mom heard a few different moms say, Michael, come here. Michael, come here. And my mom said to my dad, we can't do it. There's too many Michaels. It's too popular. Abandon ship, abandon ship. So my dad and mom said, all right, back to the drawing board. It's not going to be Michael. But they both agreed that's a pretty good middle name, hence my middle name is Michael. They were sitting there watching a movie. And as the credits came on, it said directed or produced by Robert Evans, the late Robert Evans, who Evan Wexel is referring to. And they both looked at each other and said, that's the name. Reverse it. Evan Roberts. So the truth is, the truth is, I was named after Robert Evans. So. Am I affected by his death? I'm not really affected by it, but it does pop into my mind that story that that man, and I'm not saying anything he did was why they named me after him. They named me after him because they just liked the name. So there you go. Isles Mets Mike tweets, can we start giving the Islanders and Nets more love and airtime since every other New York City Metro team stinks? Well, I think we've always tried to do that, Mike. I think we've tried to do that even when they haven't been good. Not just because I'm an Islander and Nets fan, But we try to mention everybody. Obviously, they're not going to be talked as much about as the Giants and the Jets and the Knicks and stuff like that. But I've always tried to do that as best as I can. Bishop tweets. How many more should I do? Two more? I'm sorry. I'm having too much fun. (laughs) I'm almost at the end. I think I actually almost got to everybody's tweet, which has been kind of cool. Bishop tweets. What's your biggest worry so far for the next season? Is the four we need on this roster... Well, 
The four is Kevin Durant, by the way. He's just not coming back anytime soon. Thoughts on Kenny's rotation? Should we start Rody at the four to see if he gets him going? Uh, my biggest concern is overall defense. I mean, if you look at the first three games against Minnesota, against the Knicks, and obviously the Memphis game, they're just not defending enough. I think this offense has a chance to be sickeningly good. Now, sometimes it becomes too much reliant on isolation, but even when they go one-on-one, you've got a lot of guys that are good one-on-one. Spencer Dinwiddie, Kyrie Irving, Karis LeVert, but you want to see this offense flow. I'm not as worried about the offense, but defensively, they have to get better. Do they have enough talent on this roster defensively? I think talent, I think defense is a lot about effort, and we need to see more of it consistently. But I'm not worried yet, and, and I think a part of why I'm not worried is that this was a team that was 8-18 and last year, number one. Not that I want this team to be 8-18, and but I saw a team rise from that. And B, with a new team, you got to give it a little bit of time to gel. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Mike Burrow tweets, I would love to see this happen, but the Mets won't even try because they are so cheap. I would be shocked if they landed one of this awesome players. I have no idea what he's referring to. Probably Garrett Cole or Anthony Rendon. Red Star tweets, if you celebrate, what are you and your family going for on Halloween? Well, my son is going to go as Red Car, also known as Lightning McQueen. I end up dressing as the same thing every single year. Every single year, I go as Jacob DeGrom. Every year. And it's an outdated Jacob DeGrom because I put on the wig hat that they gave away years ago. I wear a Jacob DeGrom jersey, and I just walk around with a fake Cy Young. And that's how I go as Jacob DeGrom. So that's probably what we're going to do on Halloween. Anyhow, that's it. All right, I've answered a lot of questions, and it was very much enjoyable. I like these mailbag podcasts. Coming up, I mentioned we will have an MLB free agent prediction podcast. The Survivor Series retrospective will be posted on November 4th. And coming up throughout November, a Mets and Yankees off-season preview, plus some instant reactions whenever the hell I feel like it. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast.